accepted. Psalm 65 or 11 is our scripture. You crown 2017 with your goodness and your past drip with abundance. That's the year for you and for me. And uh, if we're going to change our city, the first place that change has to transpire is you and me. We have to think differently about ourselves. We have to even think differently about God. We do. We have to think differently. And uh, last week we talked about insecurities. Being insecure. Because the number one thing that I want to drive. Drive may be a strong word. Uh, no, it's not. The one, number one thing I want to drive in us is your identity. Who you are. And so insecurities need to fall by the wayside uh, because people who are insecure, they don't have a sense of their value. You don't know how valuable you are. In Webster's Dictionary, it says a person who has no sense of their value as a person, they're not confident or sure, and this is what I like, not firmly fastened or fixed. If you are not firmly fastened or fixed to Jesus, you're going to be really insecure. You are. Because insecurities, they destroy marriages. They destroy friendships. They'll destroy churches. They'll destroy business. They'll destroy everything. Insecurity's nasty. It's nasty, nasty, nasty. Because what you do is not who you are. You may be a plumber. You may be a mechanic. But that's not who you are. Because if your identity is wrapped up in who you are, it's always going to be changing and never measuring up. But if your identity is based upon Jesus and what he thinks about you, I mean, know that he thinks great things about you constantly. They're innumerable, the Bible says in Isaiah. His good thoughts towards you are innumerable. I don't know, I can think a lot of great things about my wife, but I, they're not innumerable. But God's thoughts towards you and me are. His good thoughts. Man, so our identity needs to come from Him. Nobody else. Because He sees you as valuable, so valuable that He sent His only begotten Son. So you're priceless. Our identity should not be connected to what we do, but should be connected to and only to Jesus. That's your true identity. It has set you free. We were created in God. We were accepted by Him. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says that uh, we were the God the Father, uh, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. They all got together and they created man out of their image and their likeness. So that's where you and I have to get our identity. It's from God. It's not from uh, anything on this planet. It's from Him. Our identity has to come from Him. And if it's coming from anything else, it's going to cause insecurity. And so our image, what you see about yourself, has to be connected to God. We must get our sense of worth from Him. Our value from Him. I remember years ago, when we were at the storefront building over in Club Manor, Church started, worship team was playing, I'm sitting there on the front row, and I got my hands raised, everybody's enjoying the presence of God, worshiping God, but not me. I've got my hands raised, and I'm going, in my mind, Lord, I didn't pray very much this week. 
I didn't spend much time with you, so just forgive me. Oh, have mercy. Have mercy on our church today. Please speak to us and just... It was shameful. I built my value, my identity, based upon my prayer life that week. You can base your identity, your worth to God on how spiritual you are. (laughs) If you do, you're going to be insecure because some weeks you'll pray really good. You'll read your Bible every day. Next week, I can't find my Bible. Why? I haven't seen it in six days. So you probably haven't read in six days. I'm just thinking and so how are you going to think about yourself you know you were in good with God you were tight last week you were praying praying this week I mean I mean you you didn't pray much listen to me we cannot get our identity our value our worth even in our spiritual life I know that's going to rub some of you wrong Am I saying you don't need to pray? Am I saying you don't need to read the Word? Of course not. That would just be dumb. Because you need to know who you are. The best way to know who you are is look in the perfect law of liberty, the mirror. You'll see yourself when you read in the Word. Spending time with your Heavenly Father, He'll reveal how much He loves you. So obviously, you should read, you should pray. But that is not where you get your identity and how spiritual you are. Are you following me? This is good. It set me free. You know, I mean, it's pretty... Because listen to me. If we think that our worth is based upon how spiritual we are, and then if we're not spiritual that week, we're going to be grumpy around people. Now, probably not you, but somebody you know or sitting close to you. But uh, (laughs) if you get your security based upon how you perform and... And, and some people, they even have a list. If I do this list, I feel good about myself. But if I don't do that list, I don't feel good about myself. And if you don't feel good about yourself, let's just face it, you are not a happy person to be around. Our security has to be wrapped up in Jesus. Knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing that you've been approved already. Already been approved. Not trying to be Not going to be. Not when I get all of my act together. Let's just face it. You may never get your act together. So are you just going to give up? God has approved you. Because when you're based upon uh, your security, upon what people think, what's going on with people, you'll start comparing yourself. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. I'm doing better than them. Or the other way. Oh my goodness, I'm not even nowhere close to as good as them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it gives a flat-out answer about insecurity. It says, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, not that we have the audacity to venture to class or even to compare ourselves with some who exalt and furnish testimonials for themselves. However, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another... They are without understanding and behave unwisely. 
You need to be happy inside your own skin. So when we're comparing ourselves with other people, the enemy has taken you down a road called insecurity, and you're not going to like that destination. So I just know, we all do it from time to time, or at least tempted to do it. You start comparing yourself, and as soon as you start doing that, you need to know right away, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not going to compare myself. Nope, either good or bad. I'm better than him. I'm not as good as him. I'm not going to do that. Because when you seek approval of others, you'll do stupid things. I said this the first service. There's some video that has me at a wedding in my young years, younger years in Kentucky. And on that video, at the reception, the music, rocking and rolling, and I jump up on top of the table and start dancing. Yeah, you just think I can't move. You should have seen me then. I would have put Elvis Presley to shame. But you know why I did that? I wanted everybody's approval. I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to love me. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it a shame? All of y'all, get, just get that image out of your mind right now. I know what you're doing. Yeah, the first session didn't do this. What you are doing, you just see me. Yeah, I see you. No, 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 no. That's not the point of the message. The point of the message is what you'll do to get people to approve you. And it's ludicrous. I mean, it's not good. We've already been approved by God, and we're trying to get everybody else to approve us, accept us, to love us. Get your mind straightened out. Amen? Jesus even, he didn't care if people approved him or disapproved him, whether they, they, he just... What they thought, he knew who he was. John chapter 5, verse 41, he says, Your approval means nothing to me. Jesus said that. He said, listen, if you approve me, it doesn't matter. It means nothing to me whether you approve me or not. We need to live in that same security that Jesus had. And you know why he lived in that security? He knew that the Father loved him. You have to know that the Father loves you. You have to know. Listen, because there's things in this world, there's things that will try to put guilt and condemnation on you to try to make you unworthy or feel unworthy. And there's been many times in our life that we feel unworthy. God wants you to know that you don't need to feel that another day in your life. That you're righteous. That you're righteous. I don't know anything about you, but the Lord wants you to know that. That he sees you as a good man, as a godly man, as a blessed man, and he sees you as his son. That's a powerful thing. But you need to see that. You need to see that. God thinks mighty great things about you. Your future is bright in his sight. Amen? God wants us to think that way. That's just not for him. That's for all of us. God, and sometimes God will just say, ding, 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 ding. I'm talking to you. This is not a generic sermon. There's never a generic sermon. Because God wants you to know and to understand what He thinks about you. He's thinking about you today. He's thinking about you. 
And no, he's not thinking about, I'm going to slap this snot right out of him. (laughs) He's not thinking that. He's thinking good thoughts. Isaiah says his thoughts towards you are so innumerable. There's good thoughts. he, He can't even tell you how many times he's thought good stuff about you today. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. Why do people stumble all over themselves? Well, the Amplified Version gives a little bit different look at it. It says, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, where there is no redemptive revelation of God. In other words, you don't know what God's really done for you. A lot of people, you know, they know they're going to go to heaven, but they don't know much more than that. They don't know the redemptive revelation of God. If you don't know what God the Father has done for you, what Jesus has done for you 2,000 years ago, if you don't know what He's done for you, the Bible says you, you can be saved and on your way to heaven, but you're going to stumble all over yourself. Man, I have done that. You just stumble. Your life is just tripping and falling and a tripping and a falling. You don't have a clue. Why? Why? Because you don't know that the grace of God is the most powerful thing. The love of God is the most powerful thing. And those things have been placed inside of you. For you. And that God loves you so much. When you understand that God loves you so much. And that you're not just saved. But you're a son or daughter of God. You're, you're a child of God. But if you're a woman, you're a daughter of God. That, God says, that's my daughter. That's my son. And the same words he spoke over Jesus. When Jesus was baptized... He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He says that about you and me every day. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did yesterday. So what you did is greater than what he has done. Is it? No way. I'm telling you. One of the most powerful things is knowing how much your father loves you. If you don't know how much he loves you, if you don't know who your true identity is, then you're going to be insecure on this planet. And I tell you, it's just like being in the middle. On this side, you know that, man, I'm doing things wrong, and it seems like there could be a tug of war. It shouldn't be, but it seems like it is because you know what Jesus has done for you, and that he sees you in the goodness of God, lovable, priceless. But man, you know, you, you, the people just struggle back and forth and back and forth. You know what? And I'll tell you what, religion will make you stressed out. It'll stress you out. I have been stressed out of my gourd because I'm just trying to, always trying to measure up to God, trying to get his approval, trying to get him to be well pleased. I, you know, I used to say this. Oh, I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. I want to hear that. But man, I don't know if I'm going to. <laughs> and so what do you do? If you, don't, if you think that way, what are you going to do? You're going to work harder to be religious. You're going to work harder to be jumping up on table and instead of dancing, trying to get God's attention. 
It may not be for a bit. You'll be jumping up like I was and, and trying to get God. See? See what I'm doing, God? And God says, yep, sure do. Have you noticed what I've done for you? It's easy in church, man, to get our focus on ourselves. It's easy in church to do that. What we do, what I've done, trying to get accepted. There's nobody that works harder than church people to get approval of Jesus, to get approval of what Him, and for something that He's already done, we work so hard for. That will wear you out. And it's called burnout. There should be never be burnout for Christians. You hear pastors, well, I'm just burned out. The only way you're burned out is because you've been trying to do something that God's already done for you. The biggest problems, I think, is for us to be working so hard to be in good with our Heavenly Father. We're so concerned, not only about what God is thinking, but what are other people thinking? Now, you wouldn't say that, and I wouldn't say that. But one of the main concerns is when people say or think, well, I wonder, I wonder what they're thinking about me. You know, I mean, I did something really, really stupid. What are they thinking? 2 Corinthians 10, 17, 18. It says this. If you want to lay claim credit, claim it for God. What you say about yourself means nothing in God's work. It's what God says about you that makes the difference. Did everybody hear that? Did everybody hear that? God is saying that it's what I say about you that makes the difference. So, what does God say about you? A lot of people don't know what God says about you. And if you don't know what God says about you, you'll come up with what everybody has said. Maybe even from a pulpit. You are a worm. You're, 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 you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. And the finger grows when, and it, when it's pointing to you. Have you ever, I've, I've had fingers, unfortunately, pointed at me too many times. And sometimes it's not the pointed one. But anyway, you, it, 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 it makes you it just so growing. You think, oh, my goodness. He's right. He's right. He's right. He's right. But it's not what is so important about what people say about you. Do you know what your Heavenly Father says about you? Because when you embrace that, it'll set you free. It won't matter what your friends say, especially if you're in high school. I mean, they'll say ugly things. And in school, they'll say, you know, you're this and you're that. And, and you're uncoordinated. You're, you're a weirdo. And you're this. And, then, you know, the list goes on and on. You know? Kids say some of the ugliest things. But all you guys that are in school, listen to me. It's what your Heavenly Father has said about you. It's the most important thing. And your Heavenly Father loves you like no other. And this is what He'll do. He'll be just like you're a child. He, God is so good, He'll come down and get on your level. He'll get on your level to make you see something 
that nobody else could see. To make you see how much he loves you. No matter what. God is that big, but he can come down to that degree of a smallness to minister to you individually. I don't know, but that just boggles my mind. How can he do that? He's God. And I'm, I'm, all, I'm always amazed at the extent that what he, he's already done so much, but to the extent that he still manifests his love and his care for us. It's just amazing. And it breaks my heart when I hear people talking, saying that, you know, well, I know you're preaching grace and love, Pastor, but I do know one thing that, you know, what's kept me in line is being fearful of God, what He will, you know, because, you know, He can do some things. And so that's what's kept me on the straight and the narrow. You know, I think, you know, if my relationship with Joe was based upon him fearing me, is that going to be a good relationship? You going to call me up and have coffee next week? No, he will lose my phone number. And yet that's the kind of relationship religious people think they want to have with their Heavenly Father. I tell you, there's nothing that breaks my heart more to know believers, children of the Most High, fearing God so much that they're scared that if they do something, he, he, he could just suck the oxygen right out of them. Uh, it, it's just a terrible thing. I mean, this week, you know, I posted something on Facebook. We're talking about Facebook. I didn't say this in the first service. I'll say it in this one. Give me a couple minutes and I'll finish. And I made uh, this article about um, Jesus. He preached law. As well as grace. How many know that he preached law as well as grace? How many know the new covenant didn't start until the cross? The death, burial, and resurrection, that's when the new covenant started. Which meant Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are still considered old covenant. So in the old covenant, Jesus, he sat there and he preached, If you don't forgive, then your heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. Well... If you stop and think about that, that's conditional forgiveness, is it not? Stick with me. Some of you may get upset at me, like a lot of people did this week, because I posted this article about this. Someone even said, well, if you don't forgive, you can go to hell. And I said, listen, Jesus said that to Jewish, religious, law-abiding people. If, listen to me, just common sense, just take your religious hat off for a minute, common sense. If that was so important that you could lose your salvation, that if you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. If that was what it took, you cannot find from all of the epistles all the way through Revelation, you cannot find Paul saying, if you don't forgive, neither will God forgive you. He said, you better forgive. Paul did say that. But he didn't say what else Jesus said. Listen to me now. I'm probably stirring up something. (laughs) Listen to me now. You're saying, but Jesus said that. He did say that. 
But Paul, who had the great revelation, he never said that if you don't forgive, your heavenly Father's not going to forgive you and you're going to go to hell. He did say forgive. And it's naturally known if you don't forgive, if I don't forgive, it's harmful to your flesh and bone body. It eats up nobody but yourself. That's why you're supposed to forgive. If it was determined that what Jesus said, that your God's not going to forgive you, then why didn't Paul ever say that? If I got you thinking, or if I got you mad, when this service is over, I ain't never coming back to this church again. You wouldn't be the first one. But anyway, I want you to be set free. I may irritate, you know, some people before they receive, listen to me, some people before they receive truth, they get irritated at the truth. <laughs> they get mad. And then when they settle down, the dust settles, you know, you know, he is right. Paul never did say that. I wonder why Paul didn't say that. He had amnesia? No. Paul realized one thing. Listen, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is a lot more powerful than what you and I could do. Or could. There's nothing, listen to me, we try, we try to say Jesus has done this and we try to add things to what he has done to complete our salvation. Everybody say, I love the pastor. I'm not feeling much love, I'm telling you. But anyway, it's okay, I'm not insecure. Listen to me. I want, this, I want to be set free. How about you? And it's my obligation if I know some truth that I haven't preached before. I've never preached this before. I preach the opposite. If you don't forgive, God's never going to forgive you. You'll split hell wide open. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's wrong. I ain't getting everybody on this page, but I'm telling you, it's wrong. Should you forgive? You better forgive. It's for your benefit that you, if you don't forgive. Somebody says, I just can't forgive. You can forgive. I don't care if you've been molested, raped. I don't care what's happened to you. You can because of the greater one living in you. No matter what's happened to you, you can. I said you can and you should. And it's a choice, all right? Now, having said that, you can do that. You know, some people think, well, I just can't. Yes, you can. That's a lie. But if my point is what Jesus has done for you is greater than anything. And if you believe in Jesus, you're free. You are free. You are free. You are free from every guilt, from every sin, from every condemnation, from everything because of what Jesus has done for you. And the more revelation you have of what the cross and the death and burial resurrection has done for you, the more victory you have on this planet. Your quality of life is based upon your identity. And your behavior will follow your identity. If we, the church has preached to everybody that you're a sinner saved by grace. So what has the church been doing? Sinning. Because we've based our identity upon that. We've been pretty good at it. Somebody says, Pastor, the way you, you know what? This is the common thing that's told to me. I'll tell you what the common thing is. You're just going to cause people to sin more. The way that you're preaching, you know what I say? I think they're doing pretty good without it. think they're doing pretty good sinning without my preaching 
Don't say amen to that, but it's pretty true. But listen, if I can get people to believe their identity, their behavior will change. The church is trying to get the behavior to change so their identity will change. The church is dyslexic. They're seeing cross-eyed. We just need to act better so we'll be received. We'll be accepted if we act better. It's wrong thinking. Behavior follows identity. If I can get you to know who you are, sin will never have dominion over you. Sickness will not have dominion over you. Poverty will not have dominion over you because you know who you you are wrapped around in and have been made one with. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing what I can do, nothing that I can add to it to change my lifestyle. If you know who your identity is, it will affect the quality of your life in Pueblo, Colorado. It's our job to get Pueblo to know their true identity so their behavior will change. Quit trying to get their behavior to You need to straighten up. You need to quit running and sleeping around. You need to quit this. You need to quit that. You need to quit that. How's that been working for you? And they'll go, you're right, you're right. I should stop that. And they'll do that for a week. I'll straighten up for a week. I'm telling you, you get Pueblo and you and me to know who we are in Christ. It'll change your quality of life. No circumstance will have to change out here. None. Your spouse can still be irritated at you all the time. (laughs) Your boss can dislike you all the time. But you will have peace like a river. Because my identity, I know who I am. And I am persuaded, as Paul said, I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor evil, no nothing on this planet can separate me from the love of God. Why? I know my true identity. It's just like Superman when he was Clark Kent. It may look like I need these glasses, but I don't. I'm Superman, and I can take inside this three-piece suit is a man of steel. He knew his identity even when he was Clark Kent. Clark Kent. (laughs) I'm in this flesh and bone body. And it can't fly. But the real me is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've been bought and I've been purchased. And I can do more than fly. I'm seated And the reason I'm seated, because Jesus is seated, and the reason that we are all seated is because it's finished. I'm not trying to improve on my identity. The church tries to improve on its identity. You can't how can you improve on Jesus? Let's just get real. You think you're gonna improve on Jesus? Nah, I don't think so. You're deceived. Let's stand.